<coughs> Ladies, welcome. The Parashat HaShavua is Vayakhel. And uh, I finally have a chance to divert because it is also Parashat Shekalim this week. So we have a double header. Parashat Shekalim indicates to us that we're almost now close to Purim. Because we'll announce Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet on Shabbat, we'll announce it. It'll be next week. And then uh, from there, we're two weeks away from Purim, and then I don't want to get you too nervous, but that means we're a month away from Pesach from that point. And uh, you better get to the cleaning and all the different preparations for the great holidays. It's a great season. Uh, I guess not if you're living in Ukraine, but if you're here, uh, I guess it's a good season. Who knows, maybe uh, this is, uh, not maybe, for sure these are all preparations to the ultimate Mashiach. The rabbis talked about these wars and these incursions. This is not a surprise to the Sadiqim. Uh, these things were almost predicted that this is the way it's going to look at the end of time. So the fact that we're alive to witness it in real time is... Uh, this is a chut. I think uh, the tzaddikim say that Klai Yisrael is going to be spectators in this. It's not going to be about us. It's going to be around us. And God willing, will be protected. And B'nai Yisrael will be uh, ultimately redeemed in the right time. This is the season of redemption. Adar and Nisan. So couldn't happen at a better time of the year for us at least. All right, that's the uh, current events report. And now... Uh, I will direct my comments today about the second reading, Shabbat Shekalim. Uh, let me just review it for you quickly. <laughs> Jeanette, I tried to wait, but they didn't let me. Uh... Yes. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yes, absolutely. You came. They didn't come. You deserve to be seen, of course. So, uh, basically, what Shekalim is is that uh, in the olden days they would collect a half a coin, it's called Mahasita Shekel, from <clears throat> the men between 20 and 60. That money was usually collected in the month of Adar. After they collected all the funds, it would be used to pay for the sacrifices of the coming year uh, in the Beit HaMikdash. We don't have Mahasita Shekel today. We don't have a Beit HaMikdash. However, we have this commemorative reading to remember what they used to do. Uh, although, again, we give today zechel lemaasita shekel. You know, you might get an email from me in a couple of weeks, and it'll ask you to give uh, some money to commemorate the mitzvah maasita shekel. And that's a good mitzvah because tzedakah is always good, but it's not the authentic maasita shekel that was done. Uh, my question always is. There are a lot of mitzvot that are not applicable today. We don't have a special Shabbat to commemorate the laws of mitzorah, for example, the laws of leprosy, you know, Shabbat mitzorah. And we don't have uh, a Shabbat uh, that commemorates uh, the laws of um, para aduma. Well, actually we do, we have Shabbat para. I take that back. So that, that my question then is on that also. Why is it that certain mitzvot, we decide to highlight them, because we have a zecher, Shabbat Shekalim, and other mitzvot, they don't apply, they don't apply. What's the, uh, what's the reason why we're making such a big fuss? Unless, unless you could prove to me that in a certain way it does apply. That's the burden of proof that I must prove to the jury this afternoon, that although we don't give the hef shekel today, but the lesson of Mahasita Shekel definitely applies today, and it's such an important lesson that they wanted to highlight it and make a special Shabbat tribute to this mitzvah. And it'll take me a few minutes to explain to you what this novel idea of Mahasita Shekel in the, uh, the modern world, how it applies to us. Now I'll tell you how we figure this out. There's a... Uh, there's a rule that's written in the books that if you ever want to understand a concept, try to find that word which represents that concept 
where else it's written in the Torah. And if you could find the first place it's written in the Torah, the original place, God uses similar words in order to connect and link different topics. So therefore, I went on a search. And I said to myself, where is the first time we hear the word shekel, shekalim? Where's the first time? It's not in Parashat Shekalim. So, after doing a search, and I'm not going to fool you that I know this by heart. Today we have computers. It's very simple. All you have to do is type in shekel, shekalim, and within 1.2 seconds, uh, you become the Gaon de Vilna. (laughs) And all of a sudden it comes up. So, my search uh, came to Parashat Hayesara. If you remember, when Avram Abinu, God forbid, his wife passed away, his wife Sarah, and he had to bury her. And he needed a plot. And he saw fit to buy the Ma'arat HaMachpelah. It's probably one of the earliest real estate deals in the Torah as well. And he had to negotiate it with a fellow called Efron, that wasn't an upstanding uh, fellow, let's say. Uh, Efron was a We'll call him a money-hungry man, as we'll see in the story. Uh, initially, he tells Abraham, what do you mean? Take it. This is for your wife to bury her. Uh, you know, I have no, no price. Abraham Abinu was very, very wise, and he was able to hear when people speak, that when Ephron came along and said, uh, in his initial uh, you know, negotiations with Abraham, so the Pasuk says, Vaya uh, Ephron, Ephron answers, The field is yours. Take it. Abraham understood that uh, what Ephron basically was saying is, there's no price for this. So therefore, as if you say, you know, no matter what I charge you, I'm not charging you enough. Take it for free. There's no price. So he understood that his eyes already are very, very high. So the pasuk comes along and says, um, then all of a sudden, Ephron slips. It's a Freudian slip. He says, listen, Abraham, Eres arba shekel kesef, a land that's worth 400 shekel kesef, you know, what's that between friends? Which you'll see in a moment is an exorbitant amount of money. Ba'yishma Avram et Ephron. Vayishma means he understood. He understood exactly that Ephron was setting a price. Now here's the key words. Vayishkol Avraham Ephron. Vayishkol. So here we go. Whatever that means. Something to do with shekel et kesef. Arba me'ot shekel kesef. 400 shekel kesef. So my, my theory is that somehow this story of Abraham buying the Ma'arat Makbilah with those shekalim is connected to the story of the shekalim that we're going to read on Shabbat. Although, uh, at first glance, it seems that these stories are not related whatsoever, besides only the fact that they share some similar words. But besides that, it seems there's no connection between what Abraham was doing and uh, the Perashat Mahazit Hashem. However, the Ashkenazim, uh, our brethren, they have a custom on Shabbat Shekhalim, as, many, as well as many Shabbatot of the year, that they have special uh, piyutim, special uh, additions that they add to the tefillah, or the amidah. And these were written by great rabbis, early rabbis, the Rishonim. On Shabbat Shekhalim, they add to the amidah uh, a type of song that's called Yotzrot, and uh, it was written by the Bil Azara Kalir. He was the great poet. The Tosafot quotes him many times, which means the early rabbis, medieval rabbis. So these are great Sadiqim. And he wrote a, a song. If you look in the books of the Ashkenazim, they'll say this on Shabbat Shekalim in the Amidah. It's basically. Um, I think seven stanzas. It's not my custom to say it, so I'm really not fluent with it, but I did find it. And look what he writes in the song. 
He says, Dodi. The whole song is about Chikalim. It's a very nice song. I don't even know the tune of it, but it sounds like a nice song. Beautiful, beautiful words. So in the middle of the song, he says, Dodi, meaning my beloved one, God, Zechor li shikle Ephron. Remember the Shekalim of Ephron. Asher shakal av b'machpel Hebron. That the father of Rahab shelled out when he bought the Me'arat HaMachpelah in Hebron. I said, oh, so I wasn't that far off in my theory. When I was connecting Shekalim to Ephron and the 400 shekel kesef of Rahab, little beknownst to me that a rabbi a thousand years ago did the same thing before me. So that already tells me that we're on to something. But unfortunately, it's a song. He doesn't go in to explain to me what the connection is. He just says, God Almighty, since we're on Parashat Shekalim, don't forget the Zechut of Avraham, what he did when he forked over the 400 Shekalim to buy the Ma'arat al Hebron. Well, there is a great rabbi called Tzadok Kohen. Tzadok Kohen wrote a sefer called Prit Tzadik. It's a book on Jewish philosophy and a lot of Kabbalah as well. And to my delight, he has a whole essay on Parashat Shekalim. And uh, in his uh, initial uh, words he writes, Dodi, he's quoting the song. Zechor li shikle Ephron, asher shakal av b'machpal Hebron. I guess it rhymes also. So he says, yesh lahavim. He says, we need to understand. Maze zechut shikle Ephron, shemebakshim zechor li. What are we talking about, the zechut of Avraham with Ephron and the shikalim? What in the world does that have to do with parashat shikalim? Oh, so we're getting warm. He's asking the question. He's bothered. Now, he has a whole long uh, essay. And maybe I'll just quote one part of it at the end. So now, this just indicated to me that we're on the right track. We're looking at the right parasha. So if somebody asks you, what parasha did the rabbi talk about today? You'll say, Hayesara. Hayesara. He's drunk already before Purim. When he got Listen, this is an old tradition that if you want to know Shekalim, you got to follow the, follow the Tzadikim. They're going to take us on a trip and a tour and they're going to tell us where to analyze it. And Shekalim begins not in Parashat Kitisa, but in Parashat Hayesara. Okay, that rhymes as well. <coughs> now, Let's go back to the story for a minute. So the Pasuk says over here, Vayishkol Avraham le'efron etakesef. Now how do you learn? Vayishkol Avraham le'efron. What does this word Vayishkol mean? Right, so that, that's what I thought. I want to read the English for a second. 16. And Avraham... Oh, interesting. He says, and Abraham weighed out to Ephron the price. See, I didn't learn like that, that he weighed it. I learned that by Yishkol means he paid, which, which means when, you, when you're paying in Shekalim, it's called by Yishkol, to pay the Shekalim. And I'm not that far off because I saw the Seforno <laughs> on this Pasuk by Yishkol actually says para. Para means to pay. So I guess when you're paying in Shekalim, you say the word Vayishkol. Hu shilem Shekalim. Hu shakal Shekalim. He paid Shekalim. That's, that's what he says here. But if we really want to be uh, honest, we don't see this word too many times in the Torah. Usually when you, somebody pays something, you just say Vayitenu Takesef. We don't have a word like that, Vayishkol. And if he wasn't paying in Shekalim, would we say... Uh, I don't know, Vayimne, if he was paying in Mana, or if he was paying in Dinarim, we would say, Vayidnor. We don't have words like that. We have a word to pay, Vishilem. Natanata Kesef. 
The word by Yishkol, I agree with the English over here. The English, I think, has it right. He weighed it. By Yishkol, a scale, a mishkal. Mishkal is to weigh. So by Yishkol, he weighed it. Now, why did he weigh it? Simple. You know, Avraham knows that this guy, Ephron, not going to trust him, even though he's Avraham. So, oh boy, is right. He wants to make sure that the 400 coins are full weight, and he's not giving him coins that are diminished. Poor Abraham, he's trying to bury his wife. Now he has to take out the scale, and he has to put on 400 coins, and you know, Ephron scrutinizing to make sure that everything is, is right. It might be true that that's what Abraham did, but according to some of the Mepharshim, if you look at the way he paid him, the Pasuk says, shekel kesef over la socher. What does it mean, la socher? Over, it passed through the merchant. What do you mean it passed through the merchant? It should say, over to Ephron. So I saw Mefarshim say that Ephron didn't trust the coins of Abraham. So, yeah, could you believe it? So what did he do? He put a test on Abraham. He said, listen, I owe this merchant 400 Shekalim, pay him. If he accepts it, then I know it's real money, and then you get the Marat Machpelah. So therefore, it went through the Suhair, and then uh, he waited for verification for American Express to verify the payment that, that it went through, and then he said, you know, the deal is fine. So that's what, uh, so according to that, he didn't even give it directly to Ephron. He gave it to somebody else. So we have to understand this concept over here that the Torah uses this rare word, Vayishkol Avraham Le'efron Etakesef. This is what we, we came to discuss. So <clears throat> we start the class. That's just the introduction. Now we can begin. Welcome, ladies. Nice to see you all. <clears throat> we start with the Rabbeinu um, Bahya. We don't do enough of this, Rabbi. Uh, we should do it. He's one of the great commentators on the Torah, also one of the Rishonim. And he has beautiful explanations. The wonderful beauty of this interpreter is he explains sometimes according to the simple, then sometimes according to the Deraj, sometimes it goes into Kabbalah. So you never know what you're going to get when you open up a Rabbeinu Bahya. You know, it's always a surprise because he can hit you from one of four uh, facets. Well, today... He's going to give us a few interpretations of why Mahasita Shekel. What is this business of Hepe Shekel? Now, I will tell you what the Gaon Vilna said, just as a starter. We all know that Siddhakah is not only a mitzvah, but it's an insurance policy. You have to know that. On the day that you give Siddhakah, you bought yourself another day. Tzedakah protects a person. We should always give tzedakah. It takes a person from, God forbid, death and brings him closer to life. So he says, the Gaon Vilna, if you take the word, ladies in your brains do this, mahasit, mahasit ha-shekel, half a shekel, mem, het, tzadi, yud, taf, mahasit. Now take the tzadi, which is the middle letter. Tzadi stands for tzedakah. Beautiful. Now what's the letters right next to the tzaddi? The letter to the right is a chet. The letter to the left is a yud. That spells high. When you give tzedakah, you bring life close. And what's the outer letters of mahasit? Mem and taf. And you separate met. You bring death far away and you bring life close. That's the, yeah, it's a wow. That's the way the mahasit of the gaom de Vilna is. He says, that's the hip, tzedakah. Tzedakah brings life closer to the person and moves away the death. A beautiful explanation. With this, he says something else, something very, very beautiful. If you remember when Pinehas, Bnei Lazar Kohen, it said God was angry at Bnei Israel. And Pinehas went and he venged, and he vengefully went and killed Zimri, and then the plague stopped. So it says, Heshivat Hamati, he retrieved my anger. So it says, the Gaon Hamati. Hamati is the opposite of Mahasit. 
Hamati, if you look at the first letter of Hamati, it's a chet, and the last letter is a yud. Their life was far from the people. And what are the middle letters of Hamati? Met. Death was close. Heshivit Hamati. He returned Hamati and he brought life close and he moved death far. So therefore, the word Mahasit <coughs> and uh, Hamati. And that's why the Pasuk says in Tehillim, Vayfalel Pinehas, the Pinehas prayed, Vayachshevea lo Sedakah. God considered what he did like Sedakah, because just like Sedakah brings life close and brings death far, Vayachshevea lo Sedakah. What Pinehas did was like Sedakah. Okay, that's, that's considered <coughs> extra credit. The Rabbin Bahya, why have the shekel? So he says, because the Jewish people, they worshipped the Egel. And by worshipping the Egel, they're in contempt of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments basically is the whole Torah, in short. So they went against the Ten Commandments. So you need kapara for that. Whenever you need a kapara, you do midah keneged midah. You broke ten, so you got to pay ten. Now, how much is a shekel worth? The Torah says esrim gera. It's worth twenty gera. Don't I, I don't know how much a gera is. It's a it's a. If I would say twenty nickels is a dollar. So therefore, we're saying a full shekel is twenty gera. Esrim gera shekel. So how much is half a shekel? Ten. Bingo. So therefore, give ten gerah in order to atone for the fact that you went against the Ten Commandments. That's why it is that measurement. I'll read it. Umahazita shekel u'eser gerot. Shale shekel shalem esrim gerahu. Ulfichach hayamevi kol echad v'echad m'Yisrael eser gerah liyotem kapara al she'avru al aseret Adiberot. Beautiful. Next explanation. Why Mahasita Shekel? Again, he's worried about Mahasit. Just give the whole Shekel. Be a sport. No, Mahasit. Second explanation is because at what time of the day did the Jewish people worship the golden calf? It says they worshipped it at midday. It says, Vayaraam ki boshesh Moshe. The rabbi said they thought Moshe Rabbeinu was late. And they say the word boshesh can be read beshesh. Beshesh means in the sixth hour, which is exactly midday. So they were, since they sinned midday, therefore let them bring a mahasit to mechaper on the sin that was done in mahasit ayom. Read his words. Lefi shatruvi mahasit ayom. Lefi chak. יתנו מחזית השקל. הדו דכתיב, כי בושש משה בשש. משה came down at the sixth hour, and that's when they were worshipping. Very nice. Then Rabbeinu Ba'ya brings us now some Jewish philosophy, <coughs> which is very important, which is the, the main entree of what I came to present to you this afternoon. מחזית <coughs> השקל. And here he comes along, and he says we have a problem because the human being is created from two parts. And to be honest with you, they're two opposites. We have a body, and we know about that, that's the physical side of us. <clears throat> and then we have the spiritual side. And uh, of course, the question is, what is a person supposed to focus in on life? Is he supposed to... Uh, involve himself in the physical activity or the spiritual activity. Now, I know you ladies are so pious and you're going to say, you know, spiritual, that's the automatic answer because you think that that's what the rabbi wants to hear. So you say spiritual and therefore, in your opinion, we must neglect the physical totally and really, uh, you know, we should really spend our full days and hours devoted to spiritual activity for the neshama. After all, the rabbis have told us so many times this world is nonsense, and the main thing is olam haba, and therefore, no physical activity. We probably should move to Tibet and be like, uh, you know, the monks that just sit in the, uh, in the mountains there with their legs crossed and just contemplating and pondering all day, totally removed from any physical, uh, you know, interaction. Well, 
I'm sorry to tell you that Abinu Bahya doesn't agree with you on that. What does he say? If you want to go with logic, Mahasita Shekel. He says, Hayaya called you a shekel shalem. You know, you could give a full shekel. Why why half a shekel? It's coming to allude to us. A very important sort of life. Shira'uile kol maskil, every wise person, Sechel, Shiyishkol ma'asav b'shaveh. That you should be shakul. You know what shakul means? Balanced. Balanced. Now, I'm not talking about over here a balanced diet. That you'll speak to your dietitian about. But we're talking about over here a balanced life. Interesting. He saw the word shekel, which I always thought shekel means money. And he saw shekel, and he looked at it as shakul. Balanced. Even, steady. You need to give both to the body and to the soul. You have to give each one of them what, what it needs. And the rabbi over here is not pro to neglect any part of the, of the human. Certainly you shouldn't neglect your spiritual part, but the rabbi is telling you, hey, listen, the physical part also, you live there. if God wanted you to be an angel, he would have made you an angel and created General Amaba. Why did he put you in a physical world? Why did he give you certain physical cravings? That must be because that's part of the way we have to serve God. So therefore, don't deny yourself of these things. You have to be balanced to the extent where he says, Vanachon. Where did he go, the Rav? Here it is. Vada'ui. Oh, but he says that even though I just told you you should be balanced, but you also must be calculated at the same time. You must make the proper assessment that even though you'll involve yourself in physical activity, it must be for a purpose. And the purpose must be in order to bring you to the primary purpose of life, which is the spiritual. So that's the rabbi's theory here. It's a very important theory. So don't, you don't have to move to Tibet yet. You could still engage yourself in the physical activities of life. And that's the balance. You can't pray all day long in shul, and you can't learn all day long in shul. Shohan Aruch allows the men, after they, after they pray, pray in synagogue, to go to work and to engage in commerce. And... Uh, I'm sure some of you eat lunch. <laughs> I do, I know, I do as well. I eat three meals a day. So the rabbis eat three meals a day, let him go learn Mishnayot. I do that also. But the Benu Ba'ya is saying, fair and balanced. It's okay to live a life that is shakul, but even when you're involved in the, the physical part, it should have an element that you're doing it in order to bring you to the spiritual. So he doesn't just let you indulge in physical things for the sake of indulgement. There's a certain uh, um, uh, balance that he wants to strike in life, but even in that balance, he wants you to do it with the proper assessment. You need to do it uh, with a proper measure. And therefore he writes, and I'll quote, I don't know why I'm, he says it much better than I'm saying it, you have to direct everything to the soul. And he says, Sometimes you have to give the goof its, its, uh, its attention. Like the basic uh, necessities. Eating, drinking, malbush. Got to go shopping once in a while. I don't have to tell you that. You cannot live without these functions. You can't fast every day. Imagine every day was Yom Kippur. You wouldn't be able to live. I point out, from the Torah law, there's only one fast day in the year. So you, from the Torah law, the Torah wasn't really, uh, you know, uh, an advocate of uh, fasting. They gave you one a year, felt that was enough, and okay, the rabbis came along uh, and added some. But you see the Torah's idea is 
It's not, uh, it's too much to ask from the physical human being to deprive himself from. Therefore, he learns that the word shekel means to be balanced. And he goes on to say, as the rabbis told us on Yom Tov, it says in the Pasuk, in one Pasuk regarding Yom Tov, the holidays, Atzeret Lahashem. Atzeret for God. And then another Pasuk says, Atzeret Yelachem. The holiday should be for you. Gebarah says, make up your mind. Is it Lahashem? Or is it Lachem? Are you supposed to spend the whole holiday with godliness activity, divine activity? Or are you supposed to spend the day with personal activity? You know what the Gemara says? A typical rabbinical answer. They're both true. Rabbi Yoshua Omer, Halkehu, split it. Half should be for God, and half should be for you. Which, which is exactly the way we spend our holidays, if you think about it. We go to Bet Knesset in the morning, the men, and we pray, and we learn, and then we come home, we have a seudah, we take a walk, we rest a little. So the day is divided. It's like Shabbat between me and you. Shabbat has that same, that same element. So the rabbi is telling you, it's half and half. I saw from a great rabbi, Rabbi Schlesinger, he says something beautiful. It says half and half. Why does he use that language? Half for God, and if just say part, part for God, and part, you should say, Chelek uh, Hashem, Vechelek Lachem. Because I don't think it means you're actually counting Hatsi, 3.7 hours, uh, you don't have a stopwatch, not the Olympics over here. So it doesn't mean exactly half, it just means split the day up. So just say, Chelek Lachem, Vechelek. So he said beautifully from his rabbi. I don't know who his rabbi is, but he quotes his rabbi on this. And he says, my Rosh Hashiva would say that if you say the word chelik, it's two things that cannot be combined. It's two parts, but not necessarily can be connected. But when you say hetzi and hetzi, it's half and half. That implies you can combine them to make it a whole. That means even your physical part must fit into the other half of the spiritual. It's a beautiful explanation. It's telling you, don't think he's telling you just eat and you know, indulge and get drunk and go crazy. And then you say, well, this doesn't fit with my spiritual life. Then you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You know, you have a spiritual side of you and then uh, schizophrenia kicks in and then you have a physical side of you. And they're not related, these two sides. Uh, like Aristotle said, when he was doing something immoral, he said, now I'm not Aristotle. You know, now, 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 I'm, uh, now I'm the immoral guy. I see you tomorrow in the class. I'll be Aristotle again. So he's saying that there should not be that uh, division between the two behaviors. Even the physical... You ever see the tzaddikim when they sit down to eat? Oh, then it's like Yadayim and the Berachot and the Torah and they eat with Kavano and so on. So we're not telling you have to be that, that, that extreme. But uh, even if we eat for the sake to serve God... You know, we have a, a, a cup of tea in order that we be able to have some, some clear voice to speak to the Torah and so on and so forth, to turn them into Torah calories and to mitzvah calories, as they say. But that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. And the Rav says, and if you're going to challenge me on this, I'll bring you the biggest proof. He says, When you involve yourself in the physical stuff, to benefit the spiritual. That's perfect. So it's two things he's saying here, ladies, I must add. Number one, he's saying that the shekel reminds us to be shakul. Shakul means to be balanced, as I'm telling you, and not to neglect one side over the other. And then he's telling you that even on the side of the physical, it must be measured. You must make an assessment how to behave on that area of life. And therefore he says, for example, he gives a... Um, now, this is to me a surprise, even though I knew it, but I never thought of it. When you think of Yaakov Abin, what do you think of the first thing? Torah. Yaakov's Torah. He says, no problem. But you neglect the other half of Yaakov Abinu's career. He says, yes, it's true. 
Hishtadel be'esek ha-nefesh. He definitely toiled in the spiritual realm. Arba'as le'shana, that he learned 14 years uninterrupted in Yeshivat Shem Ba'ebed. But then what? He went to work for 14 years also by Lavazas. And so therefore, that's the classic shakul that he's talking about. Yaakov Avinu did both. He went back. But the point he says is that even when he worked for the 14 years in Laban's house, what was the purpose? What was he doing during those 14 years? He got married. He brought tribes into the world. <laughs> those 14 years of work actually turned out to be just as spiritual and you can connect them to the half of the 14 years that he learned in yeshiva. There was not a, 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 a separation or a divide. This was not shatnez. This was not a, a forbidden blend. This blend over here was able to, to exist. Listen to what I just said, because I'm going to say something beautiful at the end. You understand? The goal is that both halves should be able to, to fit. And therefore he comes along and he says, The main purpose of Abodata Homer the physical uh, 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 attractions or involvements, I should say. It's really ultimately to bring us closer to our spiritual side. And therefore he says, you know what this parasha comes and teaches us? How gorgeous. You should weigh and assess and measure and make introspection on your deeds, and then divide it. So he's telling you, uh, it basically, Shabbat Shekalim is the Shabbat that reminds you of Mahasit Hashekel, which means what? That the Mahasit, the half of the physical side, after all, Mahasit Hashekel is money. <laughs> the money is physical. On that half of your career, don't neglect that half. That half needs great assessment. First of all, it needs to exist. It's part of the equation. However, you must be very careful. I'll tell you a simple example. The Jews came out of Egypt with a lot of money. Nothing wrong with it. He's not against making money. He's not against that. But once you have the money, you better take out your scale and start to measure and assess that you do the right things with it. Because money has a very easy tendency, they say it's the root of all evil, it can bring you away from God. And if then that's what the money was, then your scale is malfunctioning. You did not make the right judgments on this. So therefore, the Jews made money. What did they end up doing with it? Egel. They blew it. They took the money and they ended up using it to build this golden figurine and they ended up saying, The scale was broken. They didn't make the right judgments. They didn't have the right uh, assessment. Uh, they didn't follow the straight way. So what's the tikkun for that? So God says, now we're going to make a tikkun and we're going to ask them to spend some money that they made their money, spend it for godly things. Oh, and that's the Mishkan. So everybody has to give a half a shekel in order to mitakan the misuse of the physical. So the purpose of Mahasita shekel is the tikkun of misappropriation of physical uh, uh, possessions. You use those physical things to turn you away from God. It would be like a person eating. And he gets drunk, and as a result, if he gets drunk, or she can get drunk also, by the way, it's not a man's thing only. But the point is, therefore they miss the pay Birkat Amazon, and they don't pray Arbit, and they might cause damage in their... So you use the food what? To become a, 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 somebody that's a mazik, to be a damager. It's no good. You were okay to eat, throw that against it, but the scale was disproportionate. You didn't have the right judgment on how to deal with that. Now, by the way, by the way, so that's the Tikkun of Mahasit HaShekel. So let me tell you how he's learning it. Mahasit, that half, the physical side, the half, the physical side, HaShekel, needs to be weighed. 
needs to be measured. It does not need to be obliterated. It does not need to be canceled. No, absolutely not. Yaakov Abinu learned for 14 years and he worked for 14 years. But when you're learning for 14 years, that's easy because that's godly stuff. The challenge is in the other half. In the other mahasit. <laughs> not in the, um, in, the, in the Moses side, but on the business side. That's where the challenge is. The mahasit. That part, the Binu Ba'ya says, you've got to be careful that the scales are calibrated correctly, that it doesn't cause you, God forbid, to distance you from God, it must only bring you closer to God. Is this clear? Now, I, I will tell you, I'll, I'll tell you the other way. I'll tell you the other way also. Even in religious activity, you need to have a scale. Exactly. Be careful of the extremes. Now, I don't mean the extreme meaning that you're following all the laws. There's a misconception the people in here extreme. So therefore, what should I do? Keep half of Shabbat? Only from what? The, from, from, from 9 a.m. to midday? Then the other half just do what I want? Yeah, half for God, half for you? No. That, that doesn't mean... It means that even when you're making religious calculations, you cannot be blinded by the religious calculation. There might be some other circumstances that should cause you to say, maybe it's better not in this case. If I could give you an example from the Talmud to that. I don't want to be one-sided. The, the, the scale has to be on the table, not only for your physical decisions, but even for your spiritual decisions. And I found the Gemara, we just learned it in the Dafiyumi. I don't think you ladies learned Dafiyumi, but we learned it in Gemara Mu'ed Katan on page 5. The Gemara over there is quoting a Pasuk in Tehillim, chapter 50. Vesam derech. It's the last pasuk in chapter 50. It's talking about that if a person paves a road to return to God, he will reach salvation. He makes himself a road, uh, and that road is the road of Teshuvah. Fine. The Gebra says, Don't read it, read it, instead of putting the dot. On the left side, put the dot on the right side. Visham derech. You know what it's saying? That a person has to make a shuma. A shuma is an assessment. You always have to assess your derech. Even when it's a religious derech, you have to make always an appraisal. You have to survey it. You can't just come along and say, oh, it's a mitzvah, therefore, hold it, slow down. Visham derech. And the Gemara gives an example, a religious example. Listen to the story. Rabbi Anai, the rabbi, Rabbi Anai, his name was. Avale talmida. He had a student. Every day he would ask him a question in the shiur. It was a... You know, tough student. I have a couple of those guys in the morning also give me a hard time. It's okay. You know, they don't let the rabbi get away with anything. Oh, but it said over there, and it says over there, and what are you saying over here? They ask, they ask, they ask, they ask. Okay? That's the way it's supposed to be. They sharpen the rabbi. However, when there was a big crowd that came to hear the rabbi shi'ur on the Shabbat before the holidays, where the rabbi would give a... He wouldn't ask... Why? He didn't want to embarrass the rabbi. If the rabbi doesn't know the answer, he doesn't want to ask. The Gemara says, look at a great student that made a religious calculation. That means he didn't get blinded and say, Torah, we have to learn. He has a question. Isn't the rabbi's job to answer our questions? And therefore, why, I should hold back my question? We're in the shiur. He took the scale out and said, there's a time to ask, and there's a time to be quiet. And even though, by not asking the question, I might be deprived from some of the clarity that I would love to have, but the scale told them, better to give up some Torah clarity and keep the rabbi's dignity in place, I'll ask him tomorrow, Privately. Uh, you see that? The Sadiqim are not just, uh, 
you know, when they see the mitzvah, well, it's a mitzvah like a, like, a, like a blind horse, and then when they just come running, no matter what the consequences are, the Gemara is over here saying a big yesod. You have to calculate. And it's not, I, I, think, I, I think I told you, when the Esau of Yisrael Salanta, Shalom, students were going to make matzah, and they asked them, you know, Rabbi, could you tell us some of your stringencies in the uh, baking of the matzah? We want to make these matzot, you know, very, 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 very kosher, super kosher, as they say. And the rabbi said, oh, you're asking me for my stringencies in the matzah bakery? Know that the lady that sweeps the floor, she's a widow. Make sure you don't scream at her. That's one of my stringencies. So you see the rab, he had the scale. Which means he didn't get blinded by the kosherness of his matzot. He said, yes, we have to have kosher matzot, but not at the expense of yelling at the widow. Because that may be more important than, that might be kosher matzot with abuse of a widow in there. And then maybe it's not the most kosher matzot. The point is the rabbis, whenever they did something, they didn't just run into it, they always took out the scale and measured. Of course, it's, it's needed in both situations. My rabbi, Shalom, he always made decisions for the community. And he always had that scale in front of him. And he knew when to close his eyes and when to open his eyes wide and when to make a talk and when not to talk. It's the scale. It's, it's, it's a skill to know that in order to, to, obviously to elevate the people, but he knew exactly this measure. And maybe in this case, for the betterment and to bring the people closer, we have to turn away for a moment and ultimately it'll pass and then we can bring them forward. And then sometimes he said, on this we can't keep quiet. This we must push forward immediately. Who told them? The scale... The Mesilai Yishirim has a special chapter called Meshkala Hasidut. Shabbat Parashat Shekalim reminds us of this principle. Now, by the way, that would answer my original question. Why are we making such a fuss of this one? Because this is a daily concept. Because we're doing this all day long, making religious decisions and physical decisions. This is not something that's a once a year item according to the Rebbe Bahya. Shabbat Mitzorah. Leave alone, Mitzorah. This is talking about the major running philosophy of life. Number one, you have to be balanced. And even in your balance, even though in that balance where we allow the person to live in the physical element of the physical world, he must be very careful to constantly making assessments. To make sure that his money doesn't lead him to the Egel. That his money leads him to the Mishkan. I saw over here from a great rabbi called the Osnayim La Torah. And he says that when, when God told Moshe, collect half a shekel. So it says, Zeyitinu, Zeh. Now, whenever it says Zeh, that means God actually showed it to him. You know, they show and tell also in heaven. So God took a shekel, it says, and said, This is the coin. Show and tell, here's the coin, Zayitinu. But the Gemara says, what type of coin did he show him? Hazakah Berucha. Shekel Shel Esh. It was a fiery coin. Esterav. Why a fiery coin? After all, we're not giving a fiery coin, we're giving a, a dull coin. So show him the coin. So he was teaching him the lesson of Mahatita Shekel. And I quote, Lemor. Money or physical things, I will add, is like fire. There's two facets. It can be very destructive like fire. Fire also brings light and also can warm a cold room. It can also cook food. The choice is up to man. That's what God was telling him. This moment of the money, you used it the wrong way. First, to build the egel, you use it as a destructive force. The money moved you away from God. Like they say in Hollywood, take two. Now we're going to try it again. 
going to take the half a shekel and we're going to now use it for something that is positive. A fire that doesn't destroy, but a fire that actually builds. Very important, you saw it. In, you know, they tell you in America, you're playing with fire. And that's what you have to know. When you're dealing in the physical part of life, you're playing with fire. It's a dangerous realm. Now, it cannot be neglected. The rabbi said, you've got to split your day. You have to split your life. You cannot deprive yourself. We're not angels. So therefore, he's not telling you, like I said, just to lock yourself up in a room and don't uh, engage in physical activity. Absolutely not. But no, you're playing with fire. That's the dangerous area. And therefore, the rabbi says, mahasit. That area of mahasit, shekel. Take out the scale and make sure you measure it very good that it doesn't lead to, God forbid, distancing you from God. Now, what does this have to do with Abraham Abinu? Oh, you thought I forgot? No, I, I didn't forget. I didn't forget. That's, the, that's the whole shiur. You have to bring it back to Abraham Abinu. I wanted to analyze for a minute, if I may, this, uh, this price that Abraham Abinu paid for the Marat HaMakhpelah, I just want to know, was it market value? Was it, did he overpay? Uh, and if he did overpay, by how much? I just want to know the, now we don't have uh, any uh, listings of these uh, real estate deals that we can go and review them. But the great rabbi called the stipler rabbi, the father of Rav Chaim Kanievsky, was the stipler. I saw him. I got a berachah from him when he was alive. He wrote a sefer called Birkat Peretz. And there, he, just, he, he does some mathematical equations for us. He tells us that we know that Yaakov Abinu bought a property and he prayed, paid for this land, this piece of land, a hundred kasita, the Torah tells us. One hundred kasita. We know that a hundred kasita equals five shekalim. Okay. A hundred kasita is five shekalim. So therefore, if Abraham Abinu paid four hundred shekalim, that's eighty times of what Yaakov paid for a comparable property, he says. So, again, did Avram overpay? Yes. By how much? 80 times. Now, put that into our perspective. If a house is supposed to be a million dollars, if you could find a house for a million dollars, good luck. I don't know where you can find it. But I'm giving you a hypothetical. If you can find a house for a million bucks today, and somebody says, I paid 1.3, so what do you say? Ah, that's okay. Listen, you, you have it. You're happy. That's the main thing. Three million, three three hundred thousand here. But if a person says, "What did you end up paying?" I paid eighty million. Eighty million. <laughs> you paid eighty times the price. What, 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 what is this? We never heard such a thing. This is a scandal. Abraham Abinu paid eighty times market value. Now you would say, because you're all savvy. And you don't think Abraham is savvy. You would say, ah, got taken advantage of this Ephron. Listen, Ephron knew he had him. Sarah's lying there, Hazita, she needs to be buried. So, you know, the seller knows that the buyer needs the property. So there's, a, there's an element of time over here. You know, he doesn't have time to say, I'll get back to you tomorrow. She's there, she needs to be buried. So he took advantage. But look at the greatness of Abraham. What do you think? That's the only piece of property in the world? By the way, go next door, and for 50 bucks, you can probably get, you know, a nice grave, and you can get extra care with it, and you can get also, you know, a bouquet of flowers, and, uh, you know, also uh, a, a certificate from the Hebra Kadisha for 50 bucks. So what is he going over here and paying this exorbitant amount of money? At this point, the explanation is, Abraham made a calculation. And he said, wait, money is very important. Obviously, he had a lot of money, Abraham. But he said, wait, what's, the, what's, what's more valuable here? Money or 
Lemarat HaMachpelah. This is the gates of Gan Eden. This over here, all the tefilot, the Zohar says, goes through Hebron. This is a holy place. Abraham had to make a calculation and he took out his scale. Not to weigh the shekalim, but the scale over here was to weigh the decision. Vayishkol Abraham. Abraham was involved in making a balanced weight decision. What's more important here? Money? For the me'ara or spiritual. And at this point, Abraham said, no question to me. As much as the money is important, this me'ara is worth so much more. And therefore, after he took his mental scale, by Yishkol, he didn't let the money blind him. He didn't say, well, listen, all that money over there, I got to give it to my kids. Maybe we need it for a rainy day. You know what? Just bury Sarah in some, you know, put her in Staten Island somewhere and it's fine. Nobody will complain. They'll go visit her. No, nothing doing. So the Vayishkol of Abraham is the same exact shekel of Rabbeinu Bahya, Bahzita Shekel. Shekel is not a coin. Shekel is a scale. Shekel is a mental evaluation. Shekel is an assessment. We're weighing our priorities. And therefore, when the rabbi Elazar Kalir, when he was writing his uh, song, the Yotzrot, for the uh, Shekalim, he came along and he said, Oh, Dodi, Zecholi Shekle Efron. Remember those Shekalim that Efron wanted from our father, the 400 of them. Asher Shakal Av. And our father measured, not measured the coins but he measured his priorities. And he said, spiritual priorities will outweigh. Side point. Abraham was right. How much is the Ma'arat HaMachbalah worth today? <laughs> There's no price. It's priceless, the Ma'arat HaMachbalah. So, <coughs> whatever he gave, in, in retrospect, although at the time it might have seemed exorbitant, there's no price for the Ma'arat HaMachbalah. It's a priceless property. Ephron is the one that's turning over in his grave and saying, ah, I should have asked for more. That's a buyer's or seller's remorse. You know, where he says, well, it's too late. Avram gave him, you could have that remorse. I gave you 80 times what you asked for. Can, can he come along and say, oh, you tricked me? <laughs> 80 times, that's a, who would pay it? But that just shows you that Avram, even though he had money, but when it came to spiritual things, his hand was very, very easy. When he saw a good spiritual buy, the money had little value and he was able to give it up. And that's actually the lesson that we're to learn from Parashat Shekalim. Mahasita Shekel. Mahasita Shekel reminds us that even in the physical areas of life, in the money, in the areas where we're allowed to engage in, don't forget to bring your scale with you. It must come with a mishkal because it's playing with fire. And that area of life, although we're physical people, if you're going to leave it unchecked and you're just going to indulge without any having checks and balances and you're not going to have any assessments, like the Messiah Yashidim says, you must assess yourself from time to time to ask yourself, am I being swayed to the physical. Is my, is my physical side drawing me further from God or closer? The parashat Kalim reminds you, mahasit, it's okay to have that half. But if you can engage in that half, it's got to come with the mishkal. And don't forget that Avraham had a good scale. It was calibrated correctly. By Yishkol Avraham, he made the mental calculations and he always concluded physical is important, but it pales in comparison and is worthless when it comes to a spiritual endeavor. And therefore, he used his money to enhance. Therefore, Avraham's money and Avraham's spiritual, it's half of the same coin. You could connect them. It's not a piece and a piece that are not connectable. It's a half and a half that are part of the same coin. Hence, Perashat Shekalim and Ma'asita Shekel is a very important lesson. It reminds us of the balance that we must strike. And therefore, it is our uh, prayer. 
Shabbat, I said, is the perfect example. That's why the rabbis tell us the word Sheker is Rashi Tevod, Shabbat, Kodesh, Ladonai. Because that's the, that's the perfect, perfect lesson of the scale. If you want to have a perfect date to know when to take the scale, you eat and we drink and we sing and we go to Shula, it's the perfect balance. But what happens after Shabbat? With all the physical, we feel elevated. That means we were able to transform the physical into a spiritual entity. Shabbat, Kodesh, Lashem. That's the model that we should not only use on Shabbat, but for the rest of the days. I pray that Be'ezat Hashem we should be zocher to have Beracha not only on our spiritual side, but on our physical side as well. But more importantly, with the children of Abraham, don't forget to take the scale with you.